Well, I know you're expecting Gabe to be here, the big bearded redneck, but he's not here. Uh, I'm a short without a beard redneck, so glad you guys are here this morning. Uh, do me a favor, throw those words back up on the screen if you could, the, from the song that we just sang. Um, I want you to look at what that says. Is this your faith? It's not about how you do things. It's not about how you look. It's not about how you act. It's not about what you say. It's not about you at all. Is this your faith? Jesus, you're my one defense. When I stand before God, I got nothing. I don't have anything that I can look at him and go, hey, check this out. I did this. Ooh. You're my one defense. You're, Jesus, my righteousness. When it comes to being holy, good, all that stuff, I stink. You're my one righteousness, Jesus. Oh, God, how I need you. If this is not your faith, you don't have faith. Well, you have faith, but it's in your own ability. Not in what Jesus has done for you. Thank you for picking that song. Awesome. I love that. Sorry, guys. I got a little intense. I apologize. My name's Carlton. How are you doing this morning? Uh, it's been a few months since I preached, so you might get a little double barrel today. Uh, let me just kind of give you a little kind of mentality of who I am. Uh, I was in student ministry for over 20 years. Gabe and I got to be good friends during student ministry. He, for some reason kind of latched onto me as kind of like a, a mentor, which I still laugh at today because <laughs> I'm like, really? Uh, you don't want me as a mentor. Um, but uh, so we got a good friendship started. Then I planted a church in Cleveland called Oikos, like the yogurt. And, uh, but Oikos doesn't mean yogurt, so don't think I'm, I'm weird. Um, it actually means family, uh, Ohana. Uh, but uh, yeah, I got small kids, so I'm going to be Disney referencing all day. Is that okay? You what? Okay, that's checking. I'm sorry. Um, so uh, Oikos means family. We planted a church five years, uh, invested, in it, invested in our community, loved our families that were there. The model is very similar to what you have based on missional communities. Um, and so when my father passed away last year and we lost the building that we were meeting in a bail bonds place, a church meeting in a bail bonds place, it was awesome. <laughs> I'll just be honest. We used to joke around and say, Gold City Bail Bonds and Oikos Church, whatever bondage, we got you covered. Um, but uh, so when things kind of came to a close, we decided to kind of, okay, you know, I, I'm kind of stepping out from that place. I don't know, God, what you're going to do, but you're in control. You're in charge. So we just decided, you know what, it would be stupid for us to go any other place. We just drove her from Cleveland to the branch and got connected here, and this is our church home now. Um, Gabe asked me to speak because he was like, I'm going to be gone doing a youth camp, and, and I need someone to deal with the really simple passage. And you have a really simple mind, so this will work out good. Um, so that's kind of how we got connected, and that's kind of how things are flowing this morning. If you've got your Bibles, we have been in and will be in the book of Luke for uh, pretty close to a decade. Um, but if you'll turn to Luke chapter 9, that's where we're going to be at today. And I'm going to do things a little differently, if that's okay. Is that okay? If not, suck it up and deal with it. Here we go. Um, I'm old school. All right? So if you're one of these... Um, Oh, gosh, I can't say that. Uh, I'm trying to be good. I'm not, I'm not trying to be like Gabe and just say whatever comes to my mind. Um, I hope Gabe's listening to this because I really want to hear it. <laughs> but I want you to think of it in terms of this. Um, there are passages of Scripture that are really happy, that you read it and you just, man, you're just like, yay, yes. 
There are passages of Scripture that kick you square in the tenders, okay? And this is one of those. This is not a happy passage, all right? And I want you to understand that as we read this passage and deal with this passage, this is not going to be something you walk away feeling real happy about. But you got to have convicting passages in Scripture to get our mind oriented to who God is, okay? So we're going to read this passage of Scripture, understand basically what we've been dealing with is a meal with Jesus in the entire thing. Jesus is either going to a meal, at a meal, or leaving a meal, okay? And so really when you take the time to think about it, if you know anything about Jewish history, it's very important to understand that the Jewish table was actually called a worship center. You just didn't invite anybody to your table, right? That's why a lot of times when Jesus was eating with Pharisees and he was eating with sinners, the Jewish people went nuts because that's just not something you did. But Jesus, literally in this passage, we've seen he's fixed his mind and set his mind to Jerusalem. He's going to Jerusalem to die. So he, everything, the tone has changed. It's, it's, it's serious. And so in this passage of Scripture, Jesus is, is kind of walking through, uh, going from one place to another. And here's kind of how it plays out in uh, Luke chapter 9, beginning in verse 57. Luke 9, 57, here's what it says. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Now, let me go ahead and say this. I read scripture differently than most people. I put emphasis in it. Um, so if I put an emphasis in it, there's a reason I'm putting an emphasis in it. A lot of times we just read scripture kind of like a textbook. This is not a textbook. Okay, so think about it. As they're going along, someone says to Jesus, I'll follow you wherever you go. He's excited. He's amped. He's ready to rock. So what do you think Jesus is going to say to him? Well, Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Huh? I was kind of expecting, yeah, come on, brother, or, you know, rock and roll. But no, what? The next situation happens, and to another, Jesus said, follow me. Now, Jesus this time invoked an invitation. Hey, follow me. And dude said, uh, yeah, but let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, let the dead bury the dead. I mean, come on. Dang. Jesus, I mean, you know, a little couth here. Don't be so raw. Let the dead bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said to him, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me fare say farewell to those at home. And Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Father, your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Um, sometimes, though, when we read it, we, we kind of go, Dag. Father, let your word dig in deep to our souls this morning. Don't let it be the words that I say that convict. Let it be what you, the Holy Spirit, do through the word. Speak truth this morning and let our ears and our hearts be receptive to hear what you have to say. O oh Lord, our God and our Father. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Um, what is this? It's a knife, okay? What's the knife used for? It's a, it's a tool. It's a tool. It's used to cut things, okay? But understand, this knife is not doing what it's supposed to do, because if it was doing what it's supposed to do, what would be happening? I would be bleeding right now, okay? I'd be blood all over the place. How many of you have a cell phone? What's the cell phone used for? Okay, that's the biggest load of hogwash. 
No, but that's, okay, what is, it, what is a cell phone supposed to be used for? To make phone calls. But what do we use it for? Everything but. Somebody, I, I was asking this question one time, and this little girl, she was probably in seventh grade, she goes, for communicating with others. I went, that's awesome, you're right, you're homeschooled, right? She's like, yeah, I was like, okay. Um, so much smarter than us public school kids. Uh, but the mentality of it is, everything has a purpose, right? Cell phones that are, if I had a hammer or had a nail and I was trying to nail that into a wall and I used my cell phone, would that work? Well, it would, but it really wouldn't be good for my cell phone, would it? Right? It would completely destroy it. So when you use something for a purpose other than what it's used for, sometimes you can really mess it up or mess things up. Um, let me ask you this other question. Um, and I want, some, I want some feedback. So I know this is going to be a little weird for some of you on Sunday morning. You used to just hear somebody talk. What's the purpose of Christianity? What's the goal? In Christianity okay all right to grow somebody else to know God okay somebody else to bring God glory somebody somebody else spread the word somebody else all these are good answers all these are good answers um, if we were to boil everything down to, to one thing like if we say the goal of the branch is what? Jesus is everything. People matter. Your story matters. Okay, so we've got that. The goal of Christianity is simply for you to become more like Jesus. So spreading the word, evangelism, worship, honoring God, all of these things are a part of it. Really, when you boil Christianity down to one bare essence, it's Jesus. And we as Jesus' followers are supposed to look more and more like Jesus every day. That's the goal of Christianity. If I was to go into a church of, let's say, 2,000 people and the average age was 65 years old and I asked what's the goal of Christianity, everybody in there would say to get to heaven. We talk from our experience in life and where we're at. So when you understand and think about some of these things as far as the goal goes and as far as the purpose goes, you start reading this passage of Scripture and it begins to make a little bit more sense than simply just a conversation Jesus was having with somebody else. Okay? These three instances are not necessarily connected, like one event happened, one event happened, one event happened. These are kind of a, a series of events. There's three. This is a Jewish way of teaching in threes. And so literally, Jesus is beginning to take a turn for the more seriousness because he's fixed his heart to Jerusalem where he's going to die. And so people start going up to him, and you got to understand Jesus. Jesus got a crowd. One of the first things Jesus did when he got a big crowd was is he destroyed that crowd. I mean, look at some of the examples. The, big, the crowds are getting huge and following Jesus, and Jesus says, you want to follow me? Eat my flesh and drink my blood. No. Crowd disperses. And only those that really are serious about following him will follow him. And really, when you look at what we're talking about today, we're talking about what is the cost of following Jesus? What is the cost of following Jesus? Because Jesus wants you to seriously consider what it is to follow him versus, I just don't want to go to hell. Many times that's where we begin. We begin with fear. Because we don't want to go to hell, but we want to have a relationship. And as that happens, and we get closer and closer to God, we fall more in love. Wherever you go. Now think about that. Think about that. Here's a guy who's in. I'm in. 
I'm in. Jesus, whatever you want me to do, wherever you want me to go, I will follow you. I'm in. And what is Jesus' response to him? Yeah. Hey, Bubba, you want to follow me? You're going to look a lot like me. Really, in all honesty, a lot of times when we come to Jesus and we say, I'm going to follow you, I'm gonna, I'll do whatever you want, there's a condition to it. Okay, there's a condition to it. Jesus, I'll follow you if dot, dot, dot. It's conditional. Jesus says, okay, you want to follow me? It is conditional. It's conditioned that you're going to live a lot like I do. And you're going to look a lot like I do. So Jesus kind of lays it out to him. Hey, bro, um, I got no place to sleep. I got no home. My followers, we don't, we're staying with other people. And so you think, oh, wow, homelessness. Yeah, that's got to be something that's a little bit more holy. He wasn't even really focused on concerning with the homelessness. He was explaining to him, you will suffer for my name. You want to put a point here? I don't, I'm not a point guy. I'm a thought guy. If you want a point, this is a point. You follow Jesus, you will suffer for his name. Now, we live in America. Let's, let's be honest. When we, when we say suffering for Jesus' name, what does that look like? Somebody made fun of me because I follow Jesus. Okay. Yeah, somebody, yeah, I got a Christian t-shirt on and somebody rolls their eyes at me or something like that. Or I've got a fish on my a car. And, you know, by the way, <laughs> this is an aside. It has nothing to do with the message. If you have a fish on your car or you have a Christian symbol or sign on your car, please drive like you got some sense. Yeah, exactly. I don't have one just in case I pull out in front of somebody accidentally, you know. But, but drive like you got some sense. Um, you, you will suffer for the name of Jesus. Um, talking to somebody earlier this morning, they're talking about, you know, they're, they're going from one state of life to another state of life, and they have no idea what this looks like. Okay? No clue what this is going to look like. That's a... Part, when, Jesus, when God calls you to do something, you do it. You, you just do it. It's kind of one of those things, it's like when your dad would say to you, hey, son or daughter, dot, 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 what happens if you don't do it? You get in trouble. There's consequences for it. Now, I'm not saying Jesus is up there, the ultra consummate, where he's going to, oh, I'm going to light you up like a Christmas tree if you don't do what I say. But when you do what your father says, and forgive me, I, I hate standing. Um, when you do what your father says, how do, what happens in a relationship is closer, is more connected. It's the same way with our relationship with Jesus. When we're obedient to what God has said, when he reveals to us and we respond obediently, that connection is, is, is driven deeper. And Jesus is saying to him, you want to follow me, you will suffer for me. Where was Jesus going? To Jerusalem. What was going to happen in Jerusalem? They're going to kill him. You'll suffer. You'll suffer. Second guy. This one's kind of interesting. This guy didn't ask to follow Jesus. Jesus asked him to follow him. Dude, can you imagine that? God in flesh, hey, follow me. <laughs> okay. You know, you'd be all up in that. Let's do that. To another, Jesus says, follow me. But the guy puts conditions on it. Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Now, this is, please understand, the guy's father wasn't dead. Okay? 
This is a Jewish custom. This guy was probably the head. He was probably the oldest son. He was probably the oldest one. And his responsibility, culturally his responsibility, was to take care of the family, especially as the father is aged. He does the businesses. He takes care. But when the father passes away, it's his responsibility to go through the whole process of burying his father. So what he's saying to Jesus is, I'll follow you, but let me take care of my business first. Let me take care of my business first. This is a cultural mandate. This is not a scriptural mandate. It is a cultural mandate, a Jewish cultural mandate. What does Jesus say to him? Leave the dead to bury their own dead. But for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. What's Jesus saying to this guy? See how many biblical scholars we've got out there today. What's Jesus saying to this guy? My call goes above your cultural mandate. That can be painful, especially in our American culture. And our American culture tells us that we're supposed to have fun. We're supposed to be comfortable. Everything's supposed to go our way, right? That, but that's the American, guys, is that not the American way? Is that not the American way? What is Jesus saying to our cultural mandate? My call supersedes your cultural mandate. My call is the most important thing in your life. In fact, my call is your life. Again, this is not happy, okay? We're not going to walk out here, I just feel so encouraged. No, this is painful. But you have to have the pain to understand the seriousness, the cost of discipleship. How many of you guys are budgeters? You're, you're big budgeters. Okay. How many of you guys don't even know what the word budget means? Raise your hands. Okay. Just kind of fly by the seat of your pants. I've got $20. Okay. Um, <laughs> Okay, all of us non-budgeters, I put myself in that category, and my wife will go, amen. What if your life, and I mean literally, your life depended on you following a budget? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean literally, if you didn't follow your budget at the end of the month, guillotine, okay? Would you consider money more clearly? And how you spend it more clearly. Would you seriously take into consideration whether you're going to get that Starbucks frappa mocha latte. Or whether you're just going to get your Keurig out <laughs> and coffee it up. Yes you would. If you understood that uh, there's going to be a cost that's going to be paid for your lack of doing what you should. Guys this is exactly what this passage of scripture is trying to deal with. It. Not that the guillotine's coming at the end of the month because we didn't budget. But there's a cost of following Jesus. And you better consider that cost seriously. In America, it's easy to follow Jesus. Because what do we do? We don't say anything. We show up in church on Sunday morning. By the way, this isn't church. We show up at the, the place on Sunday morning. What's the church? You are, not this. Okay? This is the rec center, in case you hadn't figured that out. Uh, you're the church. And as we've said before at the branch, this is only one third of what we do, and it's not the most important third. Now, that'll mess with your junk right there if you really understand it. 
Because in Western culture, this is all the church is based on is gathering on Sunday morning. And can, can I be real honest with you? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to anyway. Uh, if your spiritual depth consists of what you hear preached on Sunday morning, you're at best anorexic in the sight of God. At best anorexic. Now, would you like me to explain that a little further? Um, God's desire is for you to have a relationship with him. If my relationship with my wife only depended on Sunday mornings, how would that relationship go? It wouldn't, exactly. My wife would beat me upside the head, okay? My relationship with my wife is built on the times that we spend together. That's God's call. The God who created everything says, I want to spend time with you. Think about that. It's a call. Literally looking at this, saying goodbye. Hey, let me take care of my father's business. Jesus says, look, take care of my business. Go proclaim the kingdom of God. Last guy. It's kind of interesting. Then another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me say farewell to those at my home. This doesn't sound like that big of a deal, does it? Let me say peace, all right? In fact, if you turn over 1 Kings chapter 19, don't. But if you did, this is the same call that Elijah gave to Elisha. Elisha saw Elijah and said, hey, I want to follow you. And Elisha said to Elijah, can I say goodbye to my family? And Elijah said, yeah, go ahead. So Elisha went back. He was plowing in the field. And he had a team of oxen, and he said bye to his family. Then he took those oxen, and he slaughtered the oxen, cut them up into pieces, built a big fire, burned everything up, and served it to his family, and said, that's my offering to the Lord. I'm peacing out. I'm following him. So it's not that foreign to do this. What does Jesus say to him? No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom. Now, we, we don't live in an agricultural society. But have you ever seen a team of oxen and somebody behind them, and they're, they're plowing? Have you ever seen that? Yes, this means yes, this means no. Have you ever seen it? Okay, or, or a picture of it, or the idea, or the thought process of it. It's an agricultural term. If I have a team of oxen, and I'm plowing, and I'm doing this, <laughs> how straight is my line going to be? Yeah, not really. <laughs> it's going to look like I've been into the <laughs> sacramental wine. Um, the mentality of it is you've got to keep your eyes peeled forward to make sure your lines stay straight. And this is exactly what Jesus is saying. Hey, don't look back. Don't look back, look forward. Don't set your, thing, or your sights on the things that have happened in the past. Christian, don't set your sights on what you were. You know why so many of us have problems with sin in our life? Because we're not looking to who we are or to what we become. We keep looking to who we were. Well, I, you don't understand the life I came out of. You don't understand what I used to do. You don't understand this. I don't have to understand it. That's what you were before Christ. When Jesus saved you, he completely changed you. You are no longer what you were. You are now who you are and who you will be. Because this is the problem for most Christians. I love Christians, but sometimes we drive me nuts. Does that make sense? Okay. 
Because I have the same thing, guys. Please understand. I'm not, <laughs> I know you guys are like, God, this guy's harsh. I'm preaching to me. I have to be harsh with myself. Okay? I didn't grow up in the, you know, the family where everything was all, oh, you're perfect and all this stuff. I grew up in a family where my dad looked at me and said, you're an idiot sometimes, son. <laughs> okay? I don't have an emotional scale, right? You know, there's a lot of guys out there have emotional scales. My emotional scale is happy, mad, or hungry. That's my emotional scale, okay? All right? So, and I deal with my boys this way a lot of times, too. I look at them and I go, son, that's the way it is. <laughs> okay? And the reason is, is because sometimes I really believe the way God communicates with us, he, he's concerned about our feelings, he really cares about our feelings, but in the end, when it looks at the whole scale of things, God looks at your feelings about that much compared to the totality of how he sees things. God's more concerned with your holiness than he is with your happiness. And so sometimes these passages, that we, we need to hear these passages, and they need to pop a square in the mouth so it, as my dad used to say, adjusts my attitude. Right? And I know the girls in here are going, Dad, gosh, you're so harsh. Do you think God is this little lovey fruit fly fairy with rainbow sprinkles? Have you read Revelation 19? Have you met, I mean, seriously, have there any point in time in your life where you've turned to the book of Revelation and read Revelation 19? Okay? Because when Jesus shows up the next time, it ain't fuzzy, happy Jesus. Behold, I saw a rider sitting on a white horse, and his robe was dipped in blood. Quotations, mine, and it ain't his and he led the armies of god all dressed in fine press white linen ladies you've seen fine press white linen how much does that attract dirt a lot you could sneeze and it had a big thing on it okay if your warriors are showing up in fine press white linen how much fighting do you think they're going to do none because Jesus shows up on the plain, and all the armies of man come against him, and he has fire shooting out of his eyes. He has a sword coming out of his mouth. He's whooping folks. That's the Jesus we serve. Now, I know some of you are going, well, dang, man, I thought I was going to get to heaven and be like, ooh, it's Jesus. Yeah, you can do that. Because the same one who rides the horse is the same one who cares for your soul. Please understand, it's not fairies and sprinkle dust. This is a serious call. And Jesus wants these guys to understand the call that you have on your life is much ser more serious than you think sometimes. Much more serious. So if we're going to do an application point, and everybody's going, this ought to be fun, how's this going to work? Um, I'm just going to ask you a question. I'm going to leave you with a question this morning. I know everybody says, look, you're supposed to tie everything together. Everything's supposed to have an answer. Welcome to Christianity. It doesn't. In fact, the more I read Scripture, the more questions I get, not the more answers I get. But I'm going to leave you with a question this morning to think about this. Have you seriously considered 
the call of being a disciple in your life, what it will cost you. Have you seriously considered what it will cost you? Or was this simply emotionally driven and you're just kind of like, now I'm kind of at a place. Because this goes back to this parable of the soils. You guys remember the parable of the soils? He said, scattered some seed in this soil. He scattered some seed in this soil. He scattered some, some skeed in this squeal. Yeah, but <laughs> how you doing? <laughs> I hadn't been up for 48 hours. No, um, he scattered some seed in this soil. Some of the soil took because it was good soil. Some of the soil was rocky. So when the, the root went down, it went down, but it went down only a certain, and it couldn't get penetrate through the hard, rocky soil, so it was burned up. Some was thrown into weeds and thorns, and when it tried to grow up, it was choked out. Some of it was just picked up by the birds of the air and never got a chance. That is a condition of man's heart. Some of us have good, fertile soil in our heart, and when the seed, which is the the word of God, comes in, it begins to take root and it plants and it explodes, and an abundant crop is produced. Some of us have decent soil, but it's rocky. It needs to be plowed. But it's not, so when the seed gets in there, it only goes a certain way. And then the troubles and the cares of this world come about, and it just rock us. And that's why so many people used to go to church, but they don't go to church anymore. Some of it is scattered, but the birds of the air come and pick it up. It never even takes root. Because they're more concerned what what people think about themselves than all this other stuff. I mean, there's a lot of different reasons. There's pride, there's arrogance, there's all this stuff. And then there's some that gets choked up by the cares of the world. Have you seriously considered the call in your life? It's interesting because if you don't, there will come a time where God will require of you. There will come a testing time. It could be a move. It could be a change of occupation. It could be a lack of occupation. <laughs> That's not for y'all, that was for me. But there's going to come a time where God says, okay, do you really trust me? Do you really trust me? If you do, then be my disciple. Follow me. Follow me to where I'm going. For some of us, that's going to be a tough testing time. But please understand, God does it. He doesn't do it to punish it. He does it because he loves us and because he wants to see us walk in that relationship with him that is ever deepening, is ever growing. It's kind of like, I don't know, a branch. Today, how do we process that? Well, part of the way we process it, the way we process it every Sunday morning is we do communion. Communion is this beautiful representation of what Christ has done for us. And when I do it with my family, I explain to my family that this is the bread. This is the body of Jesus Christ which was broken for you. This is the uh, juice or the wine or the blood that was shed for the remission, forgiveness for your sin. And each time we do this, we remember what Jesus did, not what we did. Because ultimately Christianity is about Jesus. So this morning as we pray, we get ready to pray. We're going to have some music that's going to lead us, focus our hearts. 
And whenever you feel comfortable, whenever you feel ready, go take communion. Remember what Jesus Christ has done. Remember him and remember the call in your life. Let's pray. Father, your word is um, a double-edged sword. It digs deep into our soul. It divides our very being, not simply our heart, but it divides all the way to the joint, to the bone, to the marrow, the center of who we are. And it teaches us who you are and in light of who you are, who we are. The call that you've given in our life is to follow. Follow doesn't mean simply be at a distance, but it means to walk closely with you. And Father, for many of us, walking closely is, is not, a, not a characteristic of our relationship with you. It doesn't describe our relationship with you. We, we're scared to death of you, and we don't want to go to hell, so we've kind of got our ticket to make it into heaven. But Father, that was never your intent. Salvation was about a relationship, a walking, a, a, a mingling of souls. So this morning as we contemplate and we ask the question, in light of everything, have I really truly considered the cost of following you? What it's going to cost me? Let that question bury into our soul. And may the product of that question be an answer that leads us to you. Because it's you who are our defense. It's you who are our righteousness. It's you who is our everything. So this morning as we sing, as we contemplate, as we take communion, Lord Jesus, let us remember you. Because ultimately, this is all about you anyway. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.